Have you ever imagined fashion being as diverse as human culture? Have you ever dreamed of a respectful, ethical, and socially just fashion industry? Have you ever envisioned sustainability being at the core of the entire fashion system? This is your host, Laura Beltran-Rubio. I'm a fashion curator, researcher, and educator. My mission is to translate scholarly insights into actionable strategies that we can all take to reshape how we create, wear, and think about fashion. So find a comfortable seat, brew some tea, and open your notebook as you join me in the quest for redressing fashion. Welcome back to Redressing Fashion. Before I start publishing new episodes, I've created a collection of what I call loose thoughts that I've been writing and recording over the past couple years. These short episodes contain many of my reflections as both a fashion scholar and a fashion consultant in Colombia as I try to unpack the complex legacies of colonialism in present-day fashion. Please give them a listen, visit my blog for full transcripts, and some images that might be helpful, and let me know what you think. This week, I've been thinking more than ever about indigenous fashion. It is practically impossible not to do so with the celebration of Indigenous Peoples Day on Monday, October 9th, and the commemoration of indigenous resistance in Abiyayala, commonly known as Latin America, today, on October 12th. So, I've decided to use this as an excuse, as if I needed one, to talk just a little bit more about indigenous fashion, especially in Latin America. Technically, today's holiday, formerly known as Dia de la Raza, something along the lines of Day of the Human Race, throughout Latin America, celebrates the encounter between two worlds with the arrival of Christopher Columbus to the territories that we now call the Americas. The idea of an encounter moves past the problematic narrative of a discovery of the Americas that erased the agency and even the presence of thousands of native inhabitants of these territories as well as their forms of social organization, cultures, technologies, and knowledges. But what if I told you that thinking about an encounter is also misleading? As many historians have argued before me, the word encounter suggests a sort of accidental and pacific meeting between two cultures that erases the violence of colonization. Such violence resulted in the extermination of people, objects, languages, cultures, and cosmologies, and still shapes many of our social and geopolitical dynamics today. Such violence has also shaped how we think about fashion, especially indigenous fashion today. For many, indigenous fashion seems like a sort of oxymoron, as fashion, the highest expression of Western capitalist modernity according to some definitions, has nothing to do with indigenous existence. But when we see fashion as a verb, as Angela Jansen has argued, we can devise the many ways in which fashion can be indigenous both in history and today. In fact, Siksika Blackfoot art historian and curator Amber Don Berrup has argued that indigenous design is the original fashion of North America, reflecting a diversity of personalities, worldviews, beliefs, and epistemologies. 
This is also the case for Abya Yala, and in fact, many design narratives throughout the region have taken pride in the wealth of indigenous textile histories and production since well before the European invasions. The problem here is that taking pride in indigenous fashion practices and textile traditions often manifests in rather problematic practices that extract indigenous textile technologies and ways of knowing from their creators, subjugate indigenous quote-unquote artisans, and position white and whitened designers as saviors and keepers of ancestral cultures. All of these design practices are just as violent as colonization itself. I don't intend to point out the designers and brands, of which there are way too many, that are perpetuating colonial and systemic forms of violence in the ways that they choose to engage with indigenous culture and heritage in Abiyayala. In fact, I wrote a full chapter on this subject for the book accompanying Moda Oi, Latin American Latinx Fashion Design Today at the Museum at FIT, which will be published by Bloomsbury next year. Instead, I want us to think, in celebration of indigenous resistance today, that fashion in Abiyayala is and always has been inevitably indigenous in essence, even if we refuse to believe so. And producing indigenous fashion in Abiyayala is an act of resistance in and of itself, precisely because it goes against the colonialist narratives that have shaped fashion as we see it today. The question now is how to actively indigenize fashion in Abiyayala so that it becomes less of an act of resistance and more of a strategy to decolonize fashion in the region and the rest of the world. And here, I can't help but to share some strategies offered by Amber Dawn Bearrobe again and Dr. Jessica Metcalf, which include First, expanding indigenous fashion and arts beyond native media so that they inundate mainstream discourses about fashion without limiting indigenous cultural production to stereotypical views of what indigenous dress and art should be or look like. Second, recognizing that fashion has never been exclusively European, but rather that European discourses of fashion have erased and degraded indigenous people from fashion history and narratives. And third, changing the ways in which we talk about fashion so that indigenous fashion, indigenous fashion designers, and their contributions to fashion as a whole can be acknowledged, recognized, and respected. This requires, of course, allowing indigenous people to take center space and retell their own histories of fashion. So expect more on that soon in this space and in an exciting project that I'm currently working on and plan to launch over on Patreon. What other strategies to indigenize fashion can you think of? Share them in the comments. As always, thank you, thank you for listening and until next time. Original podcast episodes will air starting on January 11th, 2024, so I hope I can entertain you with this collection of loose thoughts until then. And in case you want to subscribe to my email list to be notified when the first official episode goes live, I've left the link to join in the podcast notes for this episode.
Thank you. Thank you for tuning in. You know that I love a good conversation about fashion, so please don't hesitate to email me or message me on social media to continue discussing any of the ideas introduced in this episode. If you liked what you heard, please follow the podcast, leave a review, or share it with your favorite fashion friends. It does make a huge difference as we try collectively to build more spaces for thoughtful and nuanced conversations that can truly help us redress fashions.